0: Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.
1: You're listening to All Things Therapy.
2: Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans, Los Angeles therapy, where you can book in person or on location on location sessions in New Orleans or Los Angeles. I work worldwide via phone, Skype and FaceTime as well. And you can find archived episodes of this show on iTunes, YouTube and Google Play. I am going to jump right into introducing my guest. I'm so grateful to be with him today as he has a really busy travel and lecturing schedule. He is the foremost expert on the biology-based science behind differentiating the psychosocial and emotional needs between men and women. My guest today is John Gray, Ph.D., as an internationally best selling author, he has published over 28 books, with his 29th book coming out next year, all on the topics of relationship and personal growth. His book, that I'm sure most all of my listeners right now are familiar with, is his book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, which has sold over 50 million copies. And again, many of you listening know that he's appeared on Oprah. Larry King Live, The Dr. Oz Show, CBS, Good Morning America, and has been featured in People, Forbes, Newsweek, and interviewed by Barbara Walters. Today we're talking about his most recent book, Beyond Mars and Venus, Relationship Skills for Today's Complex World. We're going to apply his work and research to gay and lesbian couples and talk some about how his own personal upbringing has influenced his work, so I want to welcome you, John Gray. Thank you for being with us today.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure.
2: For me as well. I'm wondering where you would like to start.
1: <laughs> I I've go got a new th- book out called Beyond Mars and Venus, New Relationship Skills for a Complex World. And it is, everything is changing. You know, stereotypes are out. Uh, you know, when I wrote Men Are From Mars, Women are From Venus, it was uh, more about conventional heterosexual relationships. Right but now it's about, you know, authenticity, be your authentic self. Uh, we all have a combination of male and female sides. However, we still have these bodies and if you have a man's body, certain hormones are, need to be in balance with other hormones and these hormones are called male and female hormones and for women as well. Uh, if they have more male hormones and less female hormones, which happens quite a bit these days, uh, as women take on more male roles, uh, then what happens is their hormones go out of balance, and their, their health suffers, their, their ability to have harmonious, loving relationships suffers, their ability to be in love, their ability to be relaxed. All these things have to do with in the mind, so in the body, but in the body, so in the mind. And so this book is kind of a revelation of how certain behaviors trigger and stimulate certain hormones, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're gay or straight.
2: Yes, and you talk in your book about polarity. You talk about estrogen and testosterone. So I wondered if you can share with our listeners how this works since you wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus kind of has evolved and and is helpful to our listeners.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus is… Well, it's really kind of saying where men and women are often coming from in heterosexual relationships. You know, if if women, you know, seem to be upset about something, listen more. Let them talk more because uh, just by talking and feeling heard, often much of their stress goes down and they feel more connected and so forth. And often when men are stressed, they will tend to detach and pull away. They have a cave. They go to, it helps them to forget their problems, and then their hormones come back into balance or they feel better, and then they're ready for intimacy again. So there are a lot of basic things of of how we interpret our partner if suddenly your partner seems less interested in you if you don't have the same biology of them and how they're coping with stress or the same conditioning on how they're coping with stress either way conditioning can support our natural reactions or it can interfere with our natural reactions and create defense reactions but so whatever our partners reaction is If we don't have the same reaction to that situation, it's so easy to misinterpret their reaction. It's as simple as a a woman talking and a man looking in another direction. It is. uh, Often men, in order to really think deeper, they have to focus, and they can't do that when they're looking in your eyes. (laughs) So men will tend to pull away. And women will think, well, he doesn't care, he's not interested, but actually, he'll tend to look away sometimes to try to figure out, okay, what is she saying, what am I supposed to do about this, and whatever. And it is true at those times when he looks away, he will tend to detach uh, from the emotional connection, and therefore women suddenly go, what's that about? Uh, because if, biologically speaking, when men are experiencing moderate stress, uh, you know, challenge and so forth, quite often their testosterone needs to go up, and when testosterone goes up, estrogen goes down, yes. generally speaking. And that means his, his empathy, his connection, his ability to feel, has, he's just detached from it. And she feels like, what just happened? Because when women become sort of moderately stressed, they actually experience more attachment, more emotion. Uh, at least biologically, that's the the wiring. And, and that's whether you're gay or straight, there's gonna be a stronger emotional reaction. One partner might then deny that, okay, because it's not safe to express emotions or so forth. So our conditioning can come in and adjust these sort of automatic reactions. So whether it's conditioning or it's a natural biological reaction, what we want to do is just try to understand where is our partner coming from right now and then what can we do about it so men from mars is helpful to understand where your partner might be coming from because it kind of shows the polarity you could be coming from here or here mars or venus right now but then the new book beyond mars and venus Mm -hmm. really shows us where we need to go you know if you're too far on mars you need to come back to venus (laughs) and and there's ways to do that these are the new relationship skills that i talk about where which which can help your partner find their hormonal balance or you can use your partner to help find your hormonal balance if you recognize one the symptoms of being out of balance and two uh, tools and techniques to come back into balance and simply put that means if a woman's too far on her male side how she can come back temporarily to her female side to experience a kind of balance that will lower her her hormonal stress responses
2: and how a partner can help her do that and, and yep. vice versa. Yep. One of the things yep. that I really like in Beyond Mars and Venus is when you talk about, like you just said, that in times of stress and crisis, women traditionally tend to emote and men traditionally tend to detach unless the, the male is under so much stress that they begin to emote only when they truly don't know what to do. And as a woman with typically a lot of kind of male energy, you know, I like to problem solve, I'm an achiever, I am proactive, and I've had experiences where I might look like I'm detaching in the presence of emotion, but I'm really just thinking and trying to be present, you know, with the person emoting with me. And so I just found it really helpful to read, you know, the biology underlying our our makeup and Can you talk more about how people in relationships or entering relationships can work with this energy?
1: Yeah, it's really, really important. If if your tendencies are under moderate stress to want to talk and share or to feel strong emotions under moderate stress, and your partner isn't having that reaction, uh, which is very, very common in the person who is testosterone dominant, uh, their tendency is to detach and you kind of feel like they're not with you, and and you can misinterpret that. Uh, and the person who's detaching can see the other person as irrational or unrational, uh, non-rational, uh, too emotional, overreacting. And this is kind of a stereotype that happens quite a bit, still mm-hmm. happens all over the place, is one person becomes very emotional and the other person says, uh, boy, you're just going crazy here, you're going nuts. And, and, and not a therapeutic diagnosis, right. but it's... Um, it's, you feel like you don't make any sense to me because literally if you're just expressing emotion, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Emotion can just be simply you have a subconscious belief and you, that interferes with your ability to feel worthy or interferes with your ability to feel safe or interferes with your ability to feel good enough, interferes with your ability to want what you want and, and to see that there's other ways of getting it. So people have these emotional reactions, and then the point of therapy, for example, is often to explore and interact with. Okay, where does that come from, and what is the unfulfilled want, need underneath that? How can you communicate and get that another way? And then boom, when reason and logic come in, that's your male side, then the emotion becomes dissipated, the negative emotion becomes dissipated, and it's replaced with positive emotion, which is, you know, trust that things can work out, appreciation that you have the tools you need to get there, and the opportunities are there, gratitude, positive feelings. So what's what's wonderful in this book is, for both men and women, I point out that Whenever emotions are strong, they're always uh, based upon limited thoughts and beliefs that need to be corrected. And the symptom that you have some limited thoughts and beliefs are unrealistic demands. Uh, th- the symptom of that is negative emotions. So you never want to suppress negative emotion. You want to uh, feel it, explore it. And particularly someone who is more estrogen dominant and is experiencing stress, that means that they're... Uh, they need to have their testosterone go down, their estrogen to go up, and when their estrogen does go up, they feel better. And one of the most powerful ways, in my experience yeah. as a therapist over 40 years, is in order for uh, stress to go down in women, we know that the hormones have to balance, and if they can talk about what they're feeling in a non judgmental context, an empathetic context, and they can feel felt in a validated way, their stress goes down, cortisol goes down, and what happens is they go back into a hormonal balance. And if we look at what that distinction is between men and women, whether they're yes. gay or straight, you're basically looking at ranges of, for women, if you compare them to men, and I'm talking about the difference between men and women here yeah. by, by pointing out the duality. For women, their, testo- their estrogen levels need to be at least 10 to 20 times higher than a man's, okay. period. If she does it, she's stressed. And a man needs to have testosterone levels between 10 and 30 times or 50 times for some men. They need to be that high in order to feel stress-free. And one little note here, which is a great distinction, uh, is... It was only discovered in the last 15 years. It takes a long time for common knowledge to change. But it was always associated that men's aggressive behavior was associated with high testosterone.
3: Right, and right. it is
1: it is partially linked to that because when you're if as a man, when I'm stressed, my first bodily reaction when there's danger. Is a challenge, basically, danger and challenge, is my testosterone will rise. That allows all kinds of biological changes to occur in my body. But basically it gives me more muscle mass. It gives me a faster reaction time. Yes. And it shifts blood flow into the more automatic reactions as opposed to a deep thinking. Like faster reaction means you just have to come right from programming. So at times of of challenge, men will go right to their programming. Their testosterone levels will go up. But in that context, when testosterone surges, estrogen goes down. Now, estrogen is what allows you to feel fear, it lets you feel love, it lets you feel uh, all positive feelings or negative feelings. But basically, if you're a hunter or a person doing a dangerous job or you're gonna sacrifice your life, in order to take those actions, your testosterone goes really high, your estrogen levels go down, and that allows you to act without fear. Because you have to be fearless, you know, or not let your fears control you, uh, stop you. Uh, when you're in danger, you have to run, you have to fight, you have to do something. So that's fight or flight. So when fight or flight happens, men's testosterone levels are surging and their estrogen levels are going down. Then what happens is he's still cool, calm, and collected. He's still not aggressive. He's solving a problem, almost like Kung Fu fighter.
3: Right. Then
1: what happens is he loses confidence. When a man is stressed and doesn't know what to do, that's where the negative emotions come and that's where aggression comes is what happens is when a man is stressed and he doesn't have confidence, his stress levels surge and an enzyme called aromatase gets produced and it converts his testosterone into estrogen. And now his estrogen levels soar. And when that happens, then he basically is an emotional being without any control and programming just takes over completely. And that's where aggression, where they become aggressive. They lose their ability to be logical, to a shift from the, the primitive programming in the brain. So a male who witnessed violence as a child or was punished with violence as a child, when they go into that automatic reactive state where testosterone is now converting into estrogen, estrogens is making them feel angry, uh, they'll act out with aggression. If they're trained with without aggression, uh, then when testosterone goes to estrogen, they might go into flight, which is might, might just run or do nothing or become passive. So aggression has a lot to do with conditioning, so does passivity, but it all has to do with being out of control, which happens to men when their testosterone converts into estrogen, which is really helpful for men to understand because i explained to men when you're angry stop talking because the number one thing to increase estrogen is to talk when you're upset and that for men they need to temporarily uh disconnect from whatever is upsetting them stop talking take time to be quiet do things that are you're good at that will lower your stress whenever you feel successful your testosterone levels will start to come back up your estrogen levels will start to come back down but for a woman, she could be in the midst of her anger, and if she can talk to somebody while she's in that state, and that person listens, just listens, mm-hmm. uh, literally her estrogen levels will go up, her testosterone will start to go down, her cortisol levels will start to decrease, and she will feel much better. And then she can start to combine her, her balanced male-female side so she can start you know, communicating in a more rational way along with feeling, which is what we want. We want to be feeling beings, and we want to be rational
2: you know- at the same time. You know, what you're saying is reminding me, last night I was reading an article in Psychology Today about children that grow up in violent homes where there's abuse and how that produces a dysregulated fight-or-flight response. And at the same time, you know, in adulthood, where one may perceive danger where there isn't or minimize danger where there is danger. And at the same time that these adults that were once in the abusive environments have an increased acuity and ability to be changeable and adaptable and get less stressed out, you know, and, and have more clarity and, and problem solving because of growing up in that kind of household. So I think what you're saying is really important about the hormones that are released in the brain and and change the pathways of reactiveness and Uh, Right, right. And I would add
1: to my interpretation of those studies is is basically the children who grow up in a family where there's not aggression, they're growing up in a family where uh, basically people are not stressed out. Right. (laughs) And so when when you're a child growing up with parents who are not stressed out, you learn to stay in a state which is more balanced, which is going to be more empathetic and logical at the same time, which is what the process of real conversation is, compassion and empathy along with logic and problem-solving and and doing that through compromise and this is very very hard compromise win-win situation is nearly impossible when people are in fight or flight because we have to Here's another distinction which is very helpful is when we're in fight or flight what occurs is blood flow increases to the back part of our brain and decreases in the front part of our brain, which is where we have the capacity for self-reflection oh, and to right. change our conditioning. Yes. Because we have all these conditioned responses. Uh, they're automatic, but those conditioned responses, you can choose not to act on them. You can actually, with skill, shift them around so you don't even have those after a while. But that all occurs in the front part of the brain. The back part of the brain, which is where blood flows is the fight-or-flight center in the brain or the limbic system of the brain as mm-hmm. well. This is where all of our conditioning controls our behavior. And so what we want to do is use the front part of our brain to know when we're out of control, when the conditioning is controlling us, when our instinctive behaviors are controlling us, and not taking action at that time and, uh, oh, and finding the right place in order to restore the hormonal balance and have the ways to do it which is, you know, I wrote this book. There's lots and lots of different tools and techniques that people can use, but one of the key ones is for women under stressful situations to articulate their feelings in a context where somebody is able to hear with a certain level of uh, presence and and empathy. And for men at times when they're stressed, to make sure that they shift gears to doing something to quiet the mind uh, that they're good at. And and that, that doesn't engage them even more. And practically speaking, that means that my wife and I start to argue. We yeah. stop talking and take a time out. We just cool off, and she cools off by going and talking to somebody or journaling, and I go and cool off by driving my car or meditating. Yeah. And those are things I'm really good at. <laughs>
2: yeah. I could
1: also go do emails. I could you do do anything. I can go shopping in the grocery store. If you just do something you're good at, which is not stressful, your stress levels go down. But if you're talking to somebody and stress levels are going up. For a man, the most important thing, stop talking. For a woman, the most important thing, find somebody to talk to and if, if who can hear, because talking is the talking about what you're feeling is is the most powerful way to uh, balance your hormones, particularly if you're a woman. And why do I say that? You know the simple it's a lot of the stuff besides my understanding of biology. It's just simple common sense. If you look at statistics, you'll see 90% of the people who go to talk therapy are women mm-hmm. because, <laughs> because when you're, when you're upset typically. and you can find somebody who will listen to you and validate your feelings, you feel so much better.
3: Right. And
1: ironically, you don't even have to have that support at the same time. You can actually anticipate the anticipation that I'm going to be able to talk about this to somebody who will hear me. The anticipation also puts your hormones into balance and raises your estrogen if you're a woman. Just as a man, if I can anticipate doing something, I'm good at.
0: In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua.
2: We're proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long, the size of the audience doesn't change
0: the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live, Boligua.
1: I'm going to go do this now. Right away, my testosterone levels start to go up. Like, for example, when I, I'm doing an interview now or if I'm going to give a talk, you know, these are things that I'm very good at. They're easy for me to do. And I, it's always ensured success. So all I have to do that and my testosterone levels will come up. Right. So, for example, I might be having an argument with my wife and feeling kind of shut down. I can just go do an interview or go do, solve a calculus problem or any kind of problem solving I'm good at will raise my testosterone and 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 getting that testosterone raised now my stress goes down now i can reflect on what just happened with my wife and go back and be very loving and supportive and then have another and conversation after replies. we're connecting both but the compromise to have a win-win you know we're we're capable of that and we just lose that ability when we get to the primitive brain
2: So I love in your work how you use yourself as an example and what you've learned throughout your life and and your marriage to Bonnie and and your relationship beforehand. Can you give some of our listeners, um, you know, statements that uh, either a man or a person with a lot of male energy can use to bring the feminine energy back into balance and vice versa about how, you know, appreciation is power for a woman and, and really restores a man's testosterone and sense of well-being and just some of the statements that can be used in a stressful situation to help out our listeners.
1: Okay, that was, that was, that was like three chapters of the book. Okay? But, I told but you I read me, it. Uh, I've read a lot of
2: your work. So, right. <laughs> thank you. Thank You're thank welcome, you. Uh, yeah.
1: So you gave me an opening there to just uh, to, to, Whatever to share something which is kind of universal and all of that, which is having an awareness of where your partner's coming from at a particular time uh, is is gives me the insight of what I can do at that time. So I'll talk about heterosexual relationship sure. now. My wife is uh, stressed, so what I'm going to make sure to do is, uh, if she's stressed, uh, and I do this anyway to keep her from help keep her from being stressed, is I give her four hugs a day, oh, and wow. we even count them because. Uh, <laughs> I I wake up, I give her a hug, that's one. Okay. <laughs> I give her another hug, that's two. I give her another hug, that's three. I give her another hug, that's four. And the reason I we count them sometimes at six is because I was giving a talk one time, and... Bonnie was in the audience, and I said, "I always get four hugs a day, isn't that right, honey?" And she <laughs> goes, "No." <laughs> so either, either I'm not counting correctly, or she's not noticing. I, yes. I won't take either side. From my side, I keep track, but from her side, evidently she keeps track, and I don't do it. So now we we count them. That's so cool. <laughs> and we do, do we address that. We, we do it as a loving thing you know she's playful and humor and and what's amazing how much she really enjoys it it's it's because when you hug someone that stimulates the hormone oxytocin yeah
3: and physical contact in a non-sexual
1: way so affection so when i'm hugging her oxytocin levels go up and if her testosterone levels are too high they'll come down and her estrogen levels or progesterone levels will start to increase so it's sort of a oxytocin is this great thing that kind of balances a woman's female hormones. Uh, ironically, oxytocin also balances a man's hormones. So how is but that? Because I know it acts not that he's actually needing it. The, the the research on oxytocin in men is is all over the place. Uh, it's not real clear. But you know, I go in and, and focus in, and I have found research showing, which has been my experience, that when, when a man is experiencing oxytocin. Uh, it's a little complicated I'm trying to piece it together so when a man what they did in one study is they actually gave women oxytocin and what happened is their stress levels went down and they gave men oxytocin and men's stress levels went up okay so what's that about well what that's about is again it's a process where they're actually for a study they're giving you oxytocin and seeing its reaction in your body there are times when oxytocin actually lowers a man's stress uh, it, that is, if a man's testosterone levels tend to be really high, uh, he doesn't have to be st- that stressed, but if they're really high and he experiences oxytocin, now his estrogen levels will start to rise and his testosterone will come down into a balanced state where his male and female energies of his authentic self are balanced. Okay. When that occurs, you feel really good. So when when my testosterone's high and, you know, I'm working hard, my, I'm on my male side a lot and... And then I come and give my wife a hug, that oxytocin will bring my testosterone down mm-hmm. and I, with my estrogen up, and then I can feel this balance. Yeah. The problem is, what if I'm a man like most men today and my testosterone levels are too low? Right. You're, you know, your average man, you know, at 50, they're half what they used to be. Mine, I'm 65 and they're 25% higher than what they used to be. Okay. Uh, it, it's like they're not supposed to go down. Indigenous cultures, men's testosterone don't go down. And if they become very successful in their careers and they feel good about themselves, they'll even rise as you get older with age. Oh, but goes. what happens is estrogen levels will also rise as you, you, you age. And that's part of the wisdom that men can finally get to as they're... Uh, estrogen levels rise along with keeping their testosterone because again what I'm talking about is balancing having the right balance for each person and too much estrogen in a man lowers his testosterone a hug will increase my estrogen which feels good but if my testosterone was already low it would lower my testosterone even more and And then I become estrogen dominant and estrogen dominance in men is when men become irritable for example road rage uh, we hear yeah. about that. That's after A men lot. take steroids, and when you take these steroids, you're taking testosterone, but more than your body needs, it automatically converts into estrogen. Again, that inside that enzyme aromatase gets produced. It converts yeah. his testosterone into high estrogen, and then they have road rage, they have man boobs, they get these big bellies, yeah. and they just have too much estrogen. And and this is old age for many men too. Those aren't the only symptoms, but what's interesting for men who are listening is that you can't have a heart attack if, you, if your testosterone levels are healthy. Any person who has a heart attack has low testosterone. Any man who has depression has low testosterone. You know, science is always, uh, you know, uh, we can't say causation. I can say it because it's my experience. Okay, I'm just talking for practicality, right. you know. But what we know is even when they say cholesterol, high cholesterol causes uh, heart disease, they can't really say that. There's no causation. They just know that half the time when you have a heart attack, you have a lot of cholesterol and plaque in your veins. But actually, half the time, you don't. If you look at heart attacks with men, every man, every man who has prostate cancer, swelling of the prostate, or, or heart attack always has low testosterone, exceptionally low testosterone, high estrogen. So what we want is to teach men how to come back to their male side. That was your question. And so to help right. strengthen the male energy in somebody, a variety of techniques work. But here's a simple takeaway. The, the simple things work. It's like increasing estrogen, giving hugs on a regular basis, mm-hmm. giving compliments on a regular basis. Now, compliments are male and female. Here's a compliment that will increase testosterone. Good idea. Mm. Oh, that makes sense you're right any of those statements any man Affirming. they'll just sort of glow and you know i was counseling one lesbian couple and, the, and the, the sort of male side of the lesbian couple who acts out that role of provider and it seems to be the more dominant one right. is uh it will say yeah i want i want those i relate to that i want those but i also want the hugs and i also want the compliments that say you're beautiful and i love you all of it yes <laughs> so so it's really, it's a little more complicated uh, right. when, you have, when, you, when you're in a gay relationship, at least from, from what they tell me when they hear my talk. They go, yeah, I want both, I want both. But the other partner really wants to be told, give me hugs, uh, tell me I'm lovely, tell me I'm beautiful, you can't live without me, plan the dates for me, be affectionate with me. And she's going to be, tends to be more Ask on the June, side wait, where her authentic self requires more stimulation to stimulate more estrogen Mm -hmm. i'll give you a sense of another example in a heterosexual relationship if you compared me with one of my friends who's a policeman or one of my friends who's a soldier or a fireman okay Okay. Uh, these guys have more muscle mass than me often it has to do with shoulder uh, width and muscle mass but it, it determines what is your set point for how much testosterone stimulation do you require Now, I don't have that broad shoulder. I could care less about being a soldier, a military person. Uh, You know, I'm more the researcher and the more intellectual, heartfelt person and not so much into like uh, fighting like that. Although as a kid, I had to learn karate and kung fu and all that stuff just because I wasn't that big. But the reality is I don't need as biologically as much testosterone as those guys. Mm -hmm. If those guys don't get the testosterone stimulation they need, they will be depressed For me, I don't need that much testosterone stimulation because that's not part of my authentic self, at least this lifetime. So that's who I am. What they require is more uh, testosterone stimulation. So what stimulates testosterone is leadership roles, risk and danger, uh, facing crisis. So you'll see a lot of people who have more muscle mass, not only, but a lot of people have more muscle mass, are drawn to those kind of situations of life and danger, crisis. Those are the ones we make statues to. So, uh-huh. you know, when you make, build a statue to somebody, you're appreciating them. <laughs> yes. You're saying, oh, you really helped me. And that stimulates testosterone. Whenever you're in the role of really helping somebody, solving their problem, fixing it for them, making their life better, taking care of them, testosterone goes up. Now with this emphasis, now we see one of the big problems for men today is it used to be that women were dependent upon men to take care of them. Right. Okay. A woman's survival was dependent upon men going out in the coal mines, going into jungles, going into dangerous situations, going to war. And those things provided security for the society and for the woman and for the children. And you can translate that into more modern day. The man goes to work and makes the money so that the woman can do what she wants to do, which is raise her children if, and that works if that's what she wants to do. Right. But what's happening today is now we've shifted to a whole new gear of authentic self we want to be all that we can be the man doesn't want to just be this workhorse he wants to have more fun in his life he wants to participate more with his family he wants sex to be something where his wife enjoys it as much as him Mm -hmm. these are all shifts major shifts women want to feel independent not dependent on a man but the bottom line is we now have a new crisis and we have to solve it and that's why i had to write another book which is as women go more to their male side what do they need men for why do they need a man in their life right. why not just do it yourself well having a partner in life straight or gay or, or whatever allows you to having a partner allows you to shift into that dependent role so you're not all the time being independent mm-hmm. and for men the problem for those guys is when women don't need us what do they need us for and because whenever you give the message that, oh, you've arrived, you know, the helper is here, the problem solver is here, the guy who provides the bacon at home, you know, the food, that, that would boost a man's testosterone. He felt needed. He felt his life had meaning and purpose. Right. But when women don't need men, what gives men the meaning and purpose and the acknowledgement and appreciation that stimulates testosterone? So, da 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 my book to the answer is today's women particularly need the help of a man to come back to their female side because it turns out that when a man listens to a woman in my experience of being there for women what you'll find is a surge of estrogen when the man can be quiet and listening or a woman could do it but she has to be in that quiet not needy place more detached not taking it personally being there 100 percent for her partner So that's sort of the dynamic here, is the new role of men is to provide a new kind of emotional support for women. That's what they need, a new kind of emotional support. And what men need from women is a new kind of emotional support. What is that emotional support that men need from women? Well, besides all this support of his testosterone, the bottom line, if you really looked at it, Look at why men divorce today. When you, when you question you know, all the men that I've seen who wanted divorces, it's almost the same answer. Why do you want a divorce? They'll say, my wife's not happy. Right. That's actually a new emotional need for a man to feel successful in making her happy. That's his emotional need. But the real need there is to feel successful that you're doing your job. As a partner. And what I have to help men understand is the modern man's job it's not to make women happy. Now, I want to make my wife happy. That's a great thing. But that's not my job. Her job is to be happy and to find happiness within and not yes. depend so much on me for happiness, but look to me to become happier. But she's got to be. That's her job. My job is to make it safe for her to find that place inside of her and to do whatever way I can help her find that place. But my real job is safety that is the most important thing women need they've always needed that from men safety and comfort and today it's creating the emotional safety for a woman to connect with her feminine side and whatever that means for that woman and so forth but what I found is that over and over women complain my partner doesn't listen my partner doesn't hear me my partner's not affectionate my partner's not attentive these are all things that make it safe if when a man can do that you're making it safe for her to fully express herself without feeling embarrassed without feeling shut down without feeling criticized or judged so, this is a key factor that men, we, we just get, my marriage got so easy when I realized I'm a master of making it safe for my wife, Kung Fu master. And how do I do that? I understand, particularly if I'm becoming angry, to stop talking, take time away, reestablish myself, and come back and be more loving. My wife knows she can never push me away. She can never upset me such that I would leave her. Mm-hmm. And that safety allows a woman to grow in attachment. The attachment is a most well, a massively female energy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Detachment is male energy. So if a woman, you know, is going to go to work, she has to be detached. She has to find this place to balance attachment, and that's where monogamy comes in. That's where feeling that this person's always going to be there in my life. And you know, so much of the spiritual messages are often like, learn to detach, learn to detach. <clears throat> yeah, we need to learn to detach but it doesn't mean we shouldn't attach. We can do both. You know, ultimately being in the moment is attached to right now and able to let go as right now changes to the next moment. I mean, it's always the spiritual message, the love messages, being in love, harmony and acceptance, all this growth that we're about in life, through relationship or through personal development or through spirituality, is learning to embrace the opposites. And there's no better place to do that than in our relationships.
2: You know, I agree. And and in, in talking about the providing the container, the containment of emotional safety for the feminine energy in the relationship, and therefore then the rise of oxytocin in her brain to feel that safety and connection and attachment, you know, can really be healing, especially from trauma and past wounds since, you know, uh, dysregulation is caused in relationship. I think it's such an important way to heal is being in relationship. And additionally, you talk in The Secret Behind the Secret about finding happiness from within, which I think is so important instead of having a person fill a hole, you know, temporarily. And I was curious, just reading a bit about you, growing up, I know you grew up in Houston, and your dad was an oil executive, and your mother worked at a spiritual bookstore, and they taught you yoga as a young person. And then before you embarked on your journey as a therapist, you were personal assistant to His Holiness the Maharishi for nine years and renounced sex. And, and you know, like, can you talk to us some about how that's influenced your work and what you've learned about relationships?
1: Well, you summarized my early life quite well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I had a very unique under- uh, unique background having a father that taught all his six boys and one girl We're all doing yoga together when I'm three years old, (laughs) and my mother owned a metaphysical bookstore. Uh, You know, For those in California, they can remember when the Bodhi Tree Bookstore in LA opened up. Uh, It was the biggest in the country, except my mother's was bigger and started Mm. at the same time, in Houston, Texas, if you can imagine that. That's amazing. And hers started just because uh, she started as a lending library, because she had such a big library of esoteric books. Eastern religions, Western religions, all kinds of shamanistic things, uh, ancient books. She was really into all this. My dad was, uh, although we have a Christian family, my dad had a whole bookshelf of mystic Kabbalah. So he, hey. he knew all about that. So I grew up in this context, and he's also an oil man. You right. know, my grandfather was a, a big oil guy in Texas, and my dad was worked under my grandfather so anyway that that's a interesting that i would turn out to be this relationship expert this spiritual guy it's not that far of a thing but how i go from being a celibate monk while in my teenage years i was very sexually active i'm a very sexual person Uh, i'm 65 and it's one of the highlights of my life is great sex with my wife and i teach people how to sustain those feelings it doesn't just happen automatically but you 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 go from being sexually active to now celibate for nine years, that was discipline, that was connection, that was mission and purpose, is I needed to know God. I went to experience it, my oneness with God and spirituality, and the person I saw that seemed to manifest that most was when I went to a talk about transcendental meditation, TM movement, and then I I had to go off and be with the Maharishi, the the Beatles were there, he was the guru of the Beatles, and I arrived just as they left. Uh, which was a little disappointment for me but he was fantastic and i stayed with him for nine years i was his assistant he was like a father to me and he had a huge organization and and i would have stayed in it my whole life i suppose but at around 28 my my brother really was having troubles with bipolar and meditation did not help and uh, i brought him to switzerland where we're living and he just said it's not helping and and he went back and i said well then i'm going back and i'm going to study psychology and that's how i got into the film uh, realm of psychology okay. to try to help my brother and you know having a whole different perspective on life i thought i can do this better <laughs> and mm-hmm. i think i do uh, i integrated many of the ideas of psychology but i put into it my own sort of spiritual perspective and came up with my own ideas and that took about nine years uh, Having once I no longer was celibate, I got with my wife, Bonnie, after many other relationships very quickly. And I think the basis of developing the ideas of for Mars for me came from the inner happiness that I found through meditation and through a spiritual life and through connection with service. You know, I found that within myself. So at times when Bonnie would stress me out or whatever or things weren't going well, because we had lots of challenges, we're very different. uh, I would be able to just sort of back off meditate, find my happiness again, and then reflect on what happened and come back and be more loving and continue to explore, you know, what what she needed. And and then I had a counseling practice for nine years. I was uh, listening to women complain about their husbands for eight hours a day. Right. And, and you really, when you have that perspective, you realize, I realize how different women were because the complaints that women had were not the complaints that I had. Uh, That's a very clear thing. The pain points that women had in relationship were always, and when it came to my counseling practice, which was huge, uh, waiting list only, moving people through quite quickly because they got better, with, with the pain points for women were almost always different from the pain points for men. You know, it could be as simple as woman saying, you know, oh he, my husband just doesn't understand, he doesn't listen. That was a very common one, and you you could hear men say, yeah, you don't understand. But if the only men would say it is in an argument. You know, a woman would say you're not listening, he'd say, well, you're not listening back. But it's not like men would come to me and their pain point was, gee, my wife never listens to me. No, the pain point for men is almost always the same: is no matter what I do, my wife's unhappy, she complains so much. I mean, why? I don't want to come home to a complaining woman. I'm done. I'm done. Right. And and that wasn't the the thing that women would say although some women did say my husband complains whenever I complain and that's the truth that's what men will do. And that's because what happens is whenever men are when a woman complains men get defensive and they don't know what to do then when what they do doesn't work because what men will try to do is is analyze and tell you you shouldn't be upset. So that's him going to his male side to solve the problem rationally, logically, and so forth. But it doesn't solve the problem she has because the problem she really has is she's stressed. She needs to feel heard, which would raise her estrogen, lower her stress. He needs to ask more questions and hear her point of view and validate her point of view. He doesn't know how to do that. So when he doesn't know what to do, when his best efforts fail, then what happens is he goes into fight or flight. Then he now mirrors back her own pain point. So that's how men become feminized. When they don't know how to be men and handle this stuff, they become feminized and they complain back. So that's a big issue I help couples with. Just that one point can save many relationships is when women complain, men don't complain back. What's it gonna do? What's it gonna do? Has it ever worked? <laughs> Escalating tension is what yeah. it does. And it, for men to shift that, if you can give a logical argument to man, which is what I do, then men see the futility of all their efforts and why it doesn't work. But people get caught up in this whole thing. Well, if she gets to do it, why don't I get to do it? And I say, forget about that. What works? And now you can understand why what I'm saying works when you get the dynamics of it. And then in beyond Mars and Venus, you get even more information showing how the, the – uh, showing how the uh, – uh, how uh, just simply doing that doesn't work in the biology of why it doesn't work and so forth.
2: And, and it kills a couple's sex life. Can you talk to us about you know, you talk about the biological basis of oxytocin playing a being a precursor for orgasm in women and testosterone you know, being depleted after orgasm for men and just, you know, uh, you talk a lot about your relationship with Bonnie and your sex life being better, you know 30, 31 years in than before and the, the connection there. Can you talk to our listeners about having a meaningful and connective sexual relationship as well as an emotional one.
1: Well, yes. I, you know, one of the things that happens when people get married, and this is pretty well documented, is couples start having less and less sex. And it's a complex thing. And, and uh, just to preface this, it, you know, you need to understand these biological differences and so forth to really get the sense of how to solve the problem, which mm-hmm. we've been doing. But just to, just to keep in mind that historically that sustain a passionate relationship was not even thought to occur i mean this is just something that never happened maybe rarely happened Uh, because basically what happens in the beginning of a relationship it was always considered the honeymoon phase where -hmm. you fall in love and and then then if you're lucky you can find contentment after that but it doesn't last that long it could be a few weeks it could be a few months it could be a few years and then it goes away and what that's about now that we have understand brain science is that there's a brain chemical called dopamine uh, that gives us pleasure gives us motivation it gives us interest uh it, it uh, uh it, 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 at the beginning of a relationship because it's a new relationship and because there's a biological sexual attraction it massively increases dopamine but it's triggered by the newness of it right. uh, whenever you go somewhere new you're always kind of oh how beautiful you're that is or you see it, it yeah, yeah even the news you know our society we're addicted to watching the news it's always new and different. New and different stimulates dopamine. Also danger stimulates dopamine. Cocaine stimulates high levels of dopamine. Sugar stimulates high levels of mm-hmm. dopamine. Video games are almost uh, heroin levels of dopamine. So these are addictions kind of things. And what happens to the brain is, in, in romantic situ- sex also stimulates higher right. dopamine, but then you get sex with a new partner, it stimulates even higher dopamine. And it's a partner that you don't have a connection with yet, that's called the overnight sex, you know, then it's even more intense, simply Mm -hmm. because you get these high dopamine levels, and that's particularly for men, when it's a partner you don't know. So you basically, dopamine shoots up really high, and you feel all this passion, you feel all this interest, you feel all this motivation, it's just automatic. Uh, and then as familiarity sets in, okay, familiarity is serotonin, it's comfort, it's ease, it's safety, it's security, you don't have to worry about it, or you know what to expect, a boredom. Uh, yeah. But simply safety sets in, which serotonin then starts lowering dopamine, and you don't experience this sudden surge like you used to. So you have to have skills new skills can actually increase that dopamine level back up. And that's what I'm teaching couples through good communication. As women become vulnerable, men need experience that they're needed. And when men experience that they're needed, not only does it increase testosterone levels, but whenever you feel you're needed, uh, dopamine levels go back up again. Mm -hmm. So you can bring back those feelings of passion. At the same time, you have increasing familiarity with your partner because you're always getting to... Uh, a, a, in a sense, a deeper level of intimacy yeah. a, a greater level of safety allows women to share their perspective and what 's going on and how they 're reacting and If a man feels he 's needed in that process to to provide the safety and security she needs to be happier, then what happens is his dopamine levels can surge again and again and again, and you can sustain that passion in the relationship. but when women are you know caught up in their male side they can't get back and don't know how to get back to their female side the softer side the vulnerable side the and they associate side. that softer vulnerable side with dependence they associate that with weakness rather than femininity uh, they're afraid to so they they stick, they go back over to their male side and the more they sort of swing to the male side then when they finally do get back to the female side it's very very scary because to compensate the estrogen wants to go really really high where she might just kind of feel like she's going crazy because she's looking letting go of the the masculine mm-hmm. as opposed to this nice sort of you know back and forth and finding your real joy spot right in the middle of balancing your male and female energies. And and so the when women begin to close their vulnerability, they are unable to experience the duality in the relationship which creates the sexual attraction. So sexual attraction is kind of like you can use a metaphor, which is probably pretty accurate, of magnets. Right. If you have a North Pole and a North Pole and you they start repel. getting really, really close, they repel. But if you have a North Pole and a South Pole, meaning one partner is more on the masculine and the other one is more on the, the, the feminine, then when they start to get close, they get closer and they yes. feel an attraction. There's a draw of the male and female energies to come together. It's very common, in my understanding, of a, a gay, gay relationships often women gay relationships you've got two women who are coming together on their female side and that becomes the dominant hormone mm-hmm. it, it, then there's the 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 sexual attraction can dissipate which is often i'm told is yeah. called dead bed lesbian and
2: lesbian often they uh, they
1: need uh death. you know some <laughs> pardon
2: lesbian bed death yes
1: yeah 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 and and sometimes they watch male porn just right. to bring in some male energy <laughs> to, to, to activate the female energy of attraction and arousal role playing can also help that yeah. is you become very clear and 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 for couples who are heterosexual or uh gay this role-playing technique in my book called mars venus in the bedroom uh can help a lot with that which is you become very clear of one is in the role of the giving energy one's in the role of the receiving energy and then you switch roles and tell the person who was in the giving energy is now in the receiving energy. And you switch roles. And then, but at, at neither time do you climax. And then once you've both sort of gotten into one side and in the other side, you, you then climax together. So that's a technique to help use sex and bedroom activity to yeah. help restore... Uh, hormonal balance in your body. You know, many women on their male side during the work, if they can practice being on the female side and just being receptive in the act of sexuality, uh, and working through their resistance to receiving pleasure from their partner rather than giving pleasure, uh, that can also be a technique for helping to restore balance. So you've got this. Or more on a physical level, uh, I think you know my experience is being on the emotional level is sort of the prerequisite for that. Though that's where. Uh, we suppress ourselves the most is, you know, when you're in the work world, you have to put on a mask and you suppress these emotional reactions. There needs to be a place where that part of you is seen and heard and touched and felt. And that's what creates the intimacy, whether you're straight or or, or in a gay relationship.
2: John, I want to thank you for being with us today. And unfortunately, we're at the end of our time together. And I want to give listeners your website, marsvenus.com, where you can, uh, you know, people can order your books. There are nutritional products to buy. Um, any concluding words for our guests? I mean, for our oh, listeners? I-
1: it's such a, such a pleasure for you uh, talking with you. You've been absolutely delightful. And there's just a plethora of different uh, videos that are free at my website. Yeah. and And also I talk a lot about the nutritional support to help balance our hormones as well rather than taking hormones as in the mind, so in the body, as in the body, so in the mind. And understanding certain minerals can calm the brain without using drugs. Certain things can help you sleep better without using drugs. Uh, that's part of my expertise, and it's available at my website as well. People can just go to the health blogs and see an abundance of short blogs on that. So
2: many videos. And I really appreciate your time. And your daughter is a relationship coach and writer also. I'd love to have her on my show if she's interested as well.
1: Well, thank you. And you're anybody welcome. can listen to her. She also has a weekly uh, blog that she sends out, which is quite, quite – she's the better version of me, I have to say.
2: Oh, that's sweet. <laughs>
1: so, she's great. Anyway, thank you for mentioning John, thank her. thank
2: you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're- You're very welcome. And and thank you. I enjoyed it so much. Me too. Bye bye. Bye bye. That concludes my show today with John Gray. MarsVenus.com is his website. Join me next week, same time, for another show. And I hope everyone listening has a great week. Bye bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk
1: Radio.